Sometimes the messages that, that we need to hear the most are the most difficult for us to recognize in the moment. That's just what I've, I've noticed over the years. And, and I think this message has the potential to be one of those. So what do I, what do I mean by that? Is this going to be a, this is going to be a message that might be easy to brush off. All right, it might be easy just to, to sidestep and, and, and say, okay, well, that's good and everything, and I get that, now let's go on with our lives. And, and what I want to do is just tell you right here at the very beginning, at the onset of this thing here this morning, I just want to implore you to ask God if there's something significant that he wants you to get out of this, that he wants to show you, and that he wants your hearts to be open for and to receive his word. Because I think this message is going to be important. We talked about some, some great things. The restless soul, the heavy soul. Matt, La, Matt, Matt Alley brought uh, the, the, the tortured soul last week. And, and today we're talking about the seduced soul. And so I think there's going to be something in here for you. I think God has something to say to you. So I want to ask you just to, just to lean into this. And um, I, I believe it's a very weighty an important message, and I think it's something that's going to be on time for somebody in this room, if not all of us in this room. So don't brush it off. Let's let's dive into it. We've talked a little about a little bit about soul detoxing, and as we've been talking about that, my mind uh, naturally drifts a little bit toward the idea of you know physical detoxing of of detoxing your body. In fact, uh, this month I've even gone to the gym a few times, uh, which is a few times more than last month, and um, I've made a declaration over my life that that I will. Uh, quit drinking soda, and now I'm just waiting for the right moment to enact that declaration. So I've spoken it, and now I've just got to set it into motion. And so eventually, that that will happen. Uh, I just need a free, a free, you know, day or two to deal with the withdrawals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but seriously, I've I've thought a good bit about detoxing as well, and and health in general. Like these are things that that have kind of come to mind uh, over over these last weeks, and and maybe for for you as well. Just the idea of detox makes it uh, just come to the forefront. So uh, for me, I think about the importance of having a healthy body, and we all go that way, we all drift that way, and think about the importance of having a, a healthy body. Why? You know, maybe there's 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 various reasons why we want to have a healthy body. We want to feel better. We want to have more energy. All right. We want to we want to uh, you know think about the future and take care of our body now so that in the future we'll, we won't have to deal with a lot of the pain and ailments that might come if we didn't take care of our body. Uh, maybe we want to just like, for me, I just want to, I just want to be able to have more energy to play with my kids. Like I just want to be able to uh, get down on the floor with them for, you know, and play with them and do all that kind of stuff. Like there, there's all these benefits of taking care of your body, of detoxing your body. So I was wondering if I could get somebody to help me uh, this morning. Let's see. I can't see anybody. Could, do you have something to bring up to me? All right, cool. They're going to bring someone. I need somebody to help me. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, I, you, you don't know what I'm going to ask. Uh, we're, we're being very inter interactive this morning. And, and here's the thing. If I were to start a diet, right, what's the, one of the first things that you do in a diet? You, you have to detox, right? You have to get all the, all the bad stuff out, and you gotta, you know, got to clean your system, get all the junk out. That way you can, uh, you know, go ahead and start fresh with the diet. Um, you know, Nehemiah's job, we're told in Scripture, was to be a taste tester for the king. 
All right, he's to be a taste tester for the king. That's, that was Nehemiah's job. And, uh, and so what that meant was uh, he was he was the guy that all the food came in, and he, he looked at the food. First, he examined it and made sure, hey, nobody's messed with this. Nobody's tampered with this food. And then, uh, and then he, and then and sometimes he would have to taste it and make sure it wasn't poison. What a great job, right? That's such a cool job that he had to do. And so he would taste it and make sure it wasn't poison. Uh, and so I wonder who wants to be my Nehemiah this morning. Is there any volunteers? Jennings, Jordan, I don't care, one of you. You can both come up here. All right. All right, I've got a couple of Nehemiahs here this morning. These guys have taken up uh, a big mantle. Nehemiah was a, a great dude. So, so here's what's going to happen. I want them to just taste these three detox beverages and tell me, uh, you, are you guys cool with drinking after each other? Is that weird? All right, cool. Um, and, and kind of, uh, I just need a little commentary on, on what you think you're dealing with here. And, um, and so I need to figure out which one. I hope you guys don't mind. I just want to figure out which one that, that I need to, to drink after today uh, when I quit soda and whenever I detox my body. So go ahead and, and let's taste that one. That's the face I was looking for. I think this one is, uh, I understand this one to be kombucha. Detox kombucha. Does anybody like kombucha in the house? Okay, there's a couple of hands. There's some, I think, uh, all right, cool. You're, you're enjoying that? All right, cool. All right, so I, got, I got, so I got one yes one yes, and one no on that one. <laughs> I brushed my teeth. There you go. Okay, here we have a, um, a tea. Any tea drinkers in the house? Do people like tea? Okay, good, good. I, I don't actually like tea. I like coffee. I don't like tea. Uh, in any form at all, actually. I don't like any teas, but we're going to test out this detox tea and, and see what we're working with here. Okay, we got a thumb up. That was, that was quick. That one must taste pretty good. Oh, okay, all right, so we're the other side. We've got, a, we've got a yes and a no. Okay, so we haven't had a consensus. Let's see if we get a consensus on the last one here. Uh, the last one um, is homemade. Somebody made it, Somebody made it uh, this morning. Oh. Somebody whipped it together. I don't, I don't know what is all in it. <laughs> but supposedly the Internet says it works. So... <laughs> Let's not drop it. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this, but there are solid things in the bottom. <laughs> oh, he's scared now. I don't know about this. Avonlea likes this. Avonlea, Avonlea actually likes this. This is, this is something that she drinks on the reg, so. Don't smell it. All right, so that one's a definite no. <laughs> All right, so we got a hard pass. We got a hard pass on that one. <laughs> Let's not lose it. Man. I should have had some waters for you. I have some coffee. All right, so hard pass on the last one. I got it. I'm not even going to taste that, Avonlea, but thank you so much for making it. Um, I might look at the kombucha. I don't know. See, here's the thing. Jennings 
And, and I thought about tasting that one because she, she spoke so highly of it. But I'm so glad that Jennings and Jordan have gone before me and shown me the way to go, right? They've shown me which one to go with and which one not to go with. So don't miss this, church. Uh, through their example, I now know that I don't want to touch number three. I now know that if I'm going to detox, I want to go with maybe one or two and, and see which one works for me. How great would it be for somebody to go before us, all right, to go before us and show us the way to go? What if when we're talking about detoxing our souls, somebody shows us what to do by leading by example, right? They take the first step and they try the detox beverage, right? Maybe they do that. They begin to become quiet and still before the Lord like we talked about in week one. They wait for God and they reflect on God's goodness. They trust in God's faithfulness yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They cry out to God and believe in him for a better tomorrow. They confess their sins to God and to each other. These are the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And, and like Jennings and Jordan, who tried all these detox drinks for me, wouldn't it be nice if someone would, would be your Nehemiah and try these detox methods for you so that you can see if they really work? Look around. People all over this room have and are working through a soul detox. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, encourages us uh, to, to work out our faith with fear and trembling, to, to continue to do this together. None of us have arrived, but we're all moving in the same direction. All right, None of us are, are perfect, but we're seeking the perfect one together. This is, this is what we're all doing, and, and none of us are detoxed enough for the journey, but we're working on it together. We don't need a Nehemiah. God has placed a body of believers all around us that can point us in the right direction. They're not perfect, but neither are we. They're moving in the same direction, and, and he's given us countless examples in his holy text to live by. Our Nehemiah is right here. We can see who's gone before us. We can see the examples that have been laid out before us. But instead of going to the gym and working out and eating right and cleaning all the junk out of our bodies and drinking the detox drinks, many of us settle for where we are. Instead of pursuing godliness, instead of pursuing the idea of godliness and a healthy soul, many of us settle for right where we are. Right where you are right now. People settle. Maybe you're settling. And that's what I want to talk about today, the reality that so many of us are seduced into settling for and even pursuing things that are dangerous to us. And I want to talk about the sin of idolatry as we walk through this. So, so why is this important? If you've missed the last few weeks or if you're just joining us, uh, our key thought for the series is this. And those of you who know it and you've heard it week after week, I want you to help me out. We are not a body with a soul, but instead, what are we? We're actually a soul with a body. And that may take a minute to sink in. If you're hearing it for the first time, that may take a minute to sink in. We're not a body, we're not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. And it's so very important. Whenever we die, church, our bodies die, but technically we don't die. We continue to live. We're actually not a body. Our body is a house for who we are. We're really a soul. So we are a soul with a body. And I want to talk about detoxing from those idols that seduce us so subtly in our lives. Scripture says this, the very first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, uh, 3 through 4, the very first thing on this list, here's what God says. You shall have no other gods before me. 
you shall not make yourself a carved image. All right, the translation there is an idol, an idol, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the, in the water uh, under, the, under the earth. You shall not make for yourselves an idol. That's the, the, one of the first things that God tells us. One of the first commands that we're given. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. So why is it that our souls are so vulnerable to worshiping and being seduced by idols? Why do, we, why do we go that direction? Why is that our tendency? It's because our souls are created to connect and worship the one true God. We are worshipers at our, at our basis form. We're created to worship. Worship isn't just something we do in the confines of this place or some other church. Worship is, is not meant to be within the walls of a church. We're created to worship with our lives, Right? And anytime our souls are filled with anything other than God, our souls are drawn to and seduced by those things. That's why it's so easy. That's why so many of us can have our lives full of so many things, and yet, yet we're walking around empty on the inside. Because all the things in this world cannot fill the hole in our souls that was created to be filled only by the one true God. And that's why God said you should have no other idols, nothing to put before me. In fact, I love the way it's said in Deuteronomy 4, uh, 16. Uh, and it, sa- it says it this way, beware, beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image. Again, idol is the interpretation there for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness, male or female. You got to be careful. Be careful because you might, you're, you're going to act corruptly if you do this. And he gives a long list. And I like this. Uh, the lightness of any animal that is on earth, the lightness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the lightness of anything that creeps on the ground, the lightness of any fish that is in the water under the, under the earth. And beware, lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. What does the word of God say? Don't, don't be drawn away. Don't be seduced by the things you see around you. Even the amazing things such as the sun and the moon and the stars, people have been worshiping those for centuries. Don't do it. Don't buy into it. Don't be drawn away. Don't be seduced to bow down and worship and serve a false God, a counterfeit God, something other than who I am. That phrase is so important because let's be honest, not many of us, I think, are going to choose to worship an animal that creeps on the ground. I, I would hope not. Most of us by nature are going to go out and say, oh, star in the sky, I bow, down, I bow down right now and worship you. Shooting star, you're now my God. But here's the thing, we're actually seduced into worshiping something that is not the one true God all the time. Right? We don't have to think about it as this, but, but let's be honest. I mean, when we look at the idolatry of the Old Testament, it looks, to me, it almost seems pathetic. I mean, this is, this is hindsight is twenty twenty type situation, but I'm looking back at what they were doing, and I'm thinking, like, guys, why would you do this? You know, why, why in the world are you worshiping a golden calf? You have the God of all creation who, who's leading you right now. Like, why would you do this? It just seems kind of kind of kind of dumb and, and, and dated because none of us are going to go worship a, a golden calf or, or, or some kind of a, a pole or a little figurine or even the stars. 
And maybe you're sitting there like, I'd never worship that, Robbie. And, 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 but here's the deal. We think that this might be irrelevant in our world today because we don't do those things. But we are seduced and we do worship other things. All right, we're seduced and we worship other things. Maybe we don't battle with the sin of idolatry when it comes to the moon and the sun and the stars, when it comes to animals and fish and birds. But we do battle with the sin of idolatry. The thing is, church, is I, th- I believe that we don't even recognize it anymore. See, they actually, I think, I think, I think back and I'm like, it's kind of, kind of pathetic. They're worshiping like animals, right? And, and just this, this bright orb that comes up in the sky and goes back down every day and they're worshiping that. But that's easier. You can spot that and say, wait, don't worship the sun. That's just a big ball of gas, right? Don't do that. That's easy. You can, you can correct that. The thing is, is, is I believe this. I believe that, that we're seduced into worshiping. We're seduced into worshiping a counterfeit God. We're seduced into idolatry, and we cannot even see our, our idolatry in the mirror. We wouldn't know our idolatry if it came up and slapped us in the face. We've been seduced into worshiping a fake and fraud and counterfeit God. This may not be connecting with you well yet because so often we can't see our own idolatry. We've been seduced into elevating even what might be good things. I want you to hear that, church. It might be good things that we've elevated above our God. And we worship those things, whether we realize it or not, without even knowing it, we lift things above God in our own hearts. And at that point, we've got a seduced soul. So now Jesus asks this question. He says, you want everything? You want, you want, uh, you want to go get all of these things? What good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? That's, that's a question, a rhetorical question that our God poses. To each one of us here this morning, what good is it if you gain the whole world but you forfeit your soul? Because you're, you have a seduced soul and you're worshiping the wrong thing. So I think it's time this morning for a little soul detox. We're going to talk for these next few moments about, about some fairly weighty stuff, and I really want to go as slow as I can, and, and I pray that, that, that the Spirit of God would do something inside of all of us in these moments. So let's talk about how we can dethrone these false idols in our life. Let's talk about how we can knock these false idols off of their elevated status above God, and we dethrone them. How do we take these things uh, out of our lives and therefore begin to, to heal and fix the seduced soul that we have? First and most obvious thing we need to do, uh, here's the first one. We need to learn to identify the idols in our souls. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. If I'm, if I'm speaking to you and I'm saying that, that sometimes we have these idols in our lives and we don't even realize it, we don't even know it, we can't see them, we need to learn to identify the idols in our souls. What is it that we have elevated to a supreme place? What is it that we have put over God and, and over everything else in our lives and, and that we've made essentially the new Lord in our lives? Psalm 24, I love this, uh, says this, who shall ascend the hill of God? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who's going to go up the hill of the Lord? In other words, who can be in his presence? Who can be in his presence? Who can stand in his holy place? And the answer is in the next verse, he who has clean hands and pure heart, who does not lift up his, what? His soul to what is false and does not swear here, here's the thing. 
I love this verse. There's a, there's a great song that I remember learning in uh, a youth group back in the day that came out of this particular verse. And some of you are probably singing in your head right now. I want to have clean hands. I want to have a pure heart. I want to have a not seduced soul so that I can go before the Lord. I mean, it says, who can do this? Only one who has not lifted up his soul to somebody else, to something else. One who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol. So here's the challenge. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about it's very easy, easy to justify and rationalize, and we can bring all sorts of excuses as to why some things aren't idols, and we can say, that's not an idol in my life because of this, and here's a reason here, and here's a list of reasons here, and here's an excuse for this, and we can, we can do all that. We can go around and around and around. You can do that at home. You can do that with your husband. You can do that with your wife. You can do that with your kids, whatever you want to do, but, but know the reality is this, that we can't have, uh, we can have some interest in some hobbies that are not idols, but I'm guessing I'm just guessing in almost all of our lives, there are, there are these things that have become so important that they're actually very, very detrimental to our actual souls and we don't even realize it. And so what I want to do is give you three different kinds of things to look at and see. If you're still wondering what could be an idol in my life, what's something that I, I could be worshiping and elevating above the Lord, what, what does that look like for me? Because I don't think there's anything, I think I'm pretty good, Robbie. And so if, if you're trying to think through this and trying to figure out where you are, am I idolizing something? Maybe that's the question you're asking. Maybe you're having a tough time. Then, then here's what I want to do. I want to give you three things, three questions that I want you to ask yourself. I'm not worshiping an animal or a statue or something. It's not what I'm doing. What am I worshiping? And I think this is going to help. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? And what do you talk about? What's your conversation look like? I think those are very three very easy questions to ask that will begin to point us in the right direction. As to what's taking prominence in our heart? What's taking God's place in our life, in our hearts, in our souls? If you ask those questions to yourself and you answer them with complete honesty, and that's, that's, what, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm challenging you with, complete honesty to yourself and to God, complete honesty, I think you'll begin to see the areas that you're elevating above God. If you find the vast majority of your time is focused on one particular thing, one particular person, one particular hobby or activity, that so much of your time goes into that, I think that might be something that you want to look at, something to take note of. If you if you're find yourself in conversation with people and the conversation always drifts in a certain way or or whatever maybe it drifts to your favorite hobby or your favorite team or your favorite thing or or all of these things and it never it never drifts toward God because I think that if God's really important to you let's be honest your conversation is going to drift toward him I'm not saying that every conversation has to be about God and that every conversation has to have a God component but if it's always drifting away from God to something else, then that might be something worth paying attention to. If you look at your bank account and realize, man, a lot of money is going to this particular thing or these particular things. Spending a lot of money in a certain direction and and none of it or very little of it goes to God or helping people, then that might be a thing that you need to look at. Now, I don't know what it might be for you. 
It could be, I think, for some people. Uh, we literally are seduced into almost maybe worshiping our homes. That's a weird one. Anybody ever thought, like, I worship my house? I don't, I don't see any hands because nobody's probably ever thought that before. Like, I worship my, my home, my house. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home, and I, I love a nice, clean home. I love it. Uh, and, and, but, but for some people, it's all about the home. I mean, it's like we have this constant desire to perfect our house and to go and to do all of these things, and we've got HGTV and DIY queued up at all times, and we're ready to, to just put money and time and effort and sweat into our home. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house, but but whenever that's your main focus in life, and, and, and we're pinning a million different projects on Pinterest to do in our home or to make our husbands do in our homes, and, and we're doing all these things, and, and we're getting our yard ready so that we can be in the festival of of uh, the festival of flowers and we can have the garden tour come by our house and we're so excited to be in that whenever you're just so focused you can be consumed with your home maybe that's an area for you i don't know for many it might be your image got to be tan got to get slim got to have that beach bod ready to go out got to get fit got to have the trendiest new items in the fashion Fashion cyclical, so maybe having the trendiest old items, who knows? Got to have the right shoes, the right makeup, the perfect hair. It's all about how do people see me? How do they view me? How do they think I look? Maybe, maybe that's an idol in your life, your, your actual appearance, how you look. You just put all that time and money and effort and sweat and your conversations go that way. For some, it could be our children. That's a hard one. That's a tough one. We love our kids. If you have kids, you love your kids. And, and no doubt they're important in our lives, but, but if our whole lives revolve around them to the point that we're kind, of, we're kind of bowing down and essentially worshiping our children, who should be important but not elevated to the supreme status above everything else in our lives, not elevated above God himself. We had this discussion um, at Crown Financial class a few nights ago, actually. Uh, there's a few people that are taking a Crown Financial class and uh, just learning how to be better stewards of, of the money and the, the resources and the time and the treasure that God's given us. And um, we were having this discussion about how our children are not our own. They're God's. Right? He's entrusted us with them. He's blessed us with the opportunity for, for those that, that have and can have and will have kids. He's, he's entrusted us with those children and blessed us with the opportunity to raise and to teach them in the ways of the Lord. But we were never supposed to elevate them to a place that was higher than God. And some of us, we do that. Some of us, we do that. We live vicariously through their sports. right? We pour ourselves into their clubs, their events, their activities. We rearrange our lives and our schedules to accommodate all the little things. Could be your hobbies, you know, whatever that thing is that we bend over backwards to make sure that we're able to do each and every week or each and every month. And and even if the money's not there, we're gonna pull it from somewhere else and we're gonna make sure we're able to do it. Or or even if we've got this other event, we've got this other thing to do, we're gonna be late or we're gonna cancel it or we're gonna call it off. Or we're gonna make excuses and make a way to do it and be there and make it happen because we can't miss because it's our thing. We'll move heaven and earth to ensure that we get to play around the golf this week or go shopping. Or, or watch that show or play that game. I mean, 
if you haven't missed this thing in forever, whatever that thing is for you, if you haven't missed it in forever, but getting to church is kind of, well, maybe if I'm able to, if, I'm, if it's possible, maybe that's an issue for you. Maybe that's an area. And I know this is hard stuff, church. I know for some of you, this might be hitting you right where it hurts. And you might be even making excuses, and you might be thinking in your head, no way, that's not me. I know that I do the, I know that you're, I, I hear what you're saying, and that does sound like me, but, but here's my unique situation. Nah, that's it's not an idol in my life. It's just something I'm really passionate about. It's not an idol in my life. It's just something I really, really love. It's not an idol in my life. It's just, it's just a part of who I am. I think we have to be careful. I'm not saying that everything that you you do and you love and you spend time and money on is an idol, but we do have to be careful whenever we look at those things and we've elevated those above God himself. Whenever we ask ourselves, if, if God took that thing away from me, would I still love him? If God took that thing away from me, that person away from me, those people and that activity away from me, if God took those things away, would it still be well with my soul? I want to guard against a seduced soul. I think in our current cultural landscape, I honestly think a lot of people have, have tied that uh, their idolatry might be their online identity, their social media presence. It's about how many likes can I get on a particular post? How many followers do I have? How many times did I get retweeted or, or, or liked or, or thumbs up or happy face, smiley face, hearted, whatever? You do to people's posts. How many, how many people comment when you post something meaningful to you? It's about, it, it becomes about posting pictures where your life looks better than other people's lives. And comments where your, your spouse seems so much better than other people's spouses. Right? And whenever your kids are smarter than other people's kids and your car is cleaner than other people's cars and your house is more well kept than other people's houses. And that's what you're putting out there, and that's what you're pushing, because maybe to a certain extent you, you, you have this, this sense of idolatry wrapped around your social media presence, your online identity, as it were. Related to that, there are some of you, and this isn't meant to be rude, but this might be your most common posture. the thing that you do with your body the most, even in public settings, even in groups of people. I know I've done this before. I'm guilty of it as well, but there, there are times where you're just like, uh, I've, I've seen people, I, I sit in a coffee shop all day and so, and do work. Um, it's kind of like my, my office away from home. And so I'm, I'm working and I'll see like friends come in and, and you think a coffee shop's a great place to talk. And, and there are people that come in there and they talk and they converse and whatever, but, but also see people come in and, and they'll sit down and they'll order their drink, they'll order their drink and sit down. And then, you know, there's four people sitting at a table and all four of them are just like right in their phone, not having a conversation. They're sitting like, you know, literally three inches from each other here at the table. The phone could be an idol Maybe that's tied in with the social online presence, online identity, but it's something that's so important to us. It can be any number of things. I mean, it could be our pursuit of success 
in our careers. It could be our pursuit of wealth. It could go on and on. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to look and be really, really honest with yourself and with God for a moment. In fact, I'm going to challenge you to talk about this right after our gathering, to go and talk about this a little bit later and, and talk about this with your with your significant other. Talk about this with, with your kids, with your family, with your friends. Uh, talk about this with your missional community later. It doesn't matter. Uh, but really, uh, I, want, I want to challenge you to, to talk about who or what are you putting before God? Who or what in your life is taking prominence over God? Name your idols. You can't really move beyond them. You can't really uh, get rid of the, the your, your, you can't really get rid of the seduced soul if you don't just start naming those idols and then moving them away. So that's what you first have to do. You have to, you have to figure out what your idols are, all right? The, the, the first point uh, is, is that you have to identify the idols of your soul. I just want to be real transparent with you since, since I'm, I'm telling you to go and think about it and confess and, and talk to people and, and put it out there into the, into the world, essentially. I want to be transparent with you. A few things that I idolize a little too much in my life. One uh, was I idolized the opinions of other people. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted to be liked. I wanted, whenever people thought of me, I wanted, Robbie, he's so awesome. Love that guy. I was a people pleaser. I didn't know the word no. Didn't exist in my vocabulary. I wanted to help meet everyone's needs, but not because, and I want you to understand this, because because this is the trap. This is the catch. Sometimes good things can be elevated above God. Our kids are good. Children are a blessing, a gift from the Lord. Helping people is a good thing, right? It's good to help others. Scripture tells us help orphans and widows in their time of need. Uh, it talks about the least of these and how we're supposed to, to, to meet the needs of those people, to give them a drink when they're thirsty and to feed them when they're hungry and clothe them whenever they're naked. That's what Scripture tells us to do. That's a good thing. I wanted to meet everyone's needs, but not because I really wanted their needs met. Through some soul searching, I realized it was more because I wanted people to know that I met those needs. I wanted them to think highly of me. I wanted to be liked and loved, thought well of. It might not seem like much, but getting to a place where I valued God's opinion over man's opinion was such a tough journey. Another idol for me was the false god of of money and success. I wanted to be wealthy and successful in the eyes of the world. I wanted to have a big ho- big house with, with nice cars and an extravagant vacations and, and all of those things. I wanted money and the power and influence that only financial success seemingly brought. So God had his work cut out for me uh, to, to humble me and to humble my soul so that I could begin to, to rid my life of, of these idols these were not easy to get rid of. These were not easy things to move past. But by the grace of God, it's something that he's working on in my life. So I want you to just think about, I want to challenge you to really think about, begin to pray. God, what, what is it? What is it in my life? What is it that I've put above you? What is it that has taken an elevated status above you and above who you are and above 
where you are. Search my heart. David says, search my heart. It's a dangerous but liberating prayer to pray. So be prepared to receive the word that God has for you whenever you ask for that. Uh, whenever you ask for him to show you the idols in your life, you probably won't like the answer. And it probably will not be something that you want to do or even be okay letting go of. Because our souls have been seduced. So once you identify the thing that, that could be an idol, all right, then I think scripture teaches us to tear down our idols. Number two, and we're going to move these last two a little quicker. We're going to tear down our idols. Do you think that God wants us to manage our idols? It's okay, you can answer. Do you think that God wants us to manage our idols? No, okay. He wants us to tear them down. Do you think God wants us to tolerate them? No, he wants us to obliterate them. I mean, we're talking about getting rid of anything that is more important to you than our creator God. And that's what God, that's what God did, told Gideon in Judges 6.25, when the people were worshiping all these false idols, all these false gods and bowing down before these idols. God says this in, in, in Judges 6.25, the night, the, that night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the, al- the altar of Baal. And the father has and cut down Asherah uh, that is beside it. He, he said, take the bull, take, literally tear down this idol, get rid of it. People are worshiping it, let's remove it from the earth. I love this. There's a sense of righteous anger when it comes to God and other idols. It's like God is just roaring and he just rips these idols down and says, I'm not going to let anything at all stand between me and my people. I'm not going to tolerate their idols anymore. And we have to get in that same posture. We have to get in that same mindset because if we just try to manage these these idols in our lives, if we just try to manage and tolerate them, then they're going to continue to seduce our souls. There are so many things, and I don't want to go through the list again. I mean, you can think about these things. Like, uh, I mean, Brandon, uh, or sorry, uh, Matt Alley talked about yet last week. He said, kids' sports, that's the one that I've seen so much working in, in student ministry for many years. I saw how kids' sports just got in the way of that shot. And you know what you're teaching your children? You're teaching them that this thing is more important than the Lord. All right? I'm, I'm not saying, like, you've got to, this isn't like being in church every time or anything. But you have to understand that whenever you begin to elevate that thing, and, and the kids see that, and they see that, oh, mom and dad think that. That me hitting a ball or kicking a ball is so much more important than me being in, in front of the word of God and studying and learning. They see that. And that begins to seduce their soul. It's a trickle-down effect. Our careers. Man, I get this one. That's along the lines of what I used to to struggle with. We can make excuses and we can justify, you know what? By me getting better and promoted and by me getting making more money, I'm helping my family more giving them more. But sometimes it's just such an idol in our lives. The pursuit of material things is so tough. You start pursuing material things and you always want more. Nothing's ever enough. You're never satisfied. Your soul never rests because you've got to have the next thing. And what we don't understand, church, please hear me, what we don't understand is that we've been seduced into worshiping a counterfeit, something that, that never satisfies. And so we wonder why our lives are so full, yet our souls are so empty. That's why. Because we're worshiping the wrong things. Jesus came across this guy who idolized money and, um, and, other, and, and his, his things, his possessions. This is what Jesus said in Mark 10. Jesus looked at him and, and loved him. In Mark, Mark 10, 21, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Do you understand, church, that God loves us? How great is that? When he asks us to tear down our idols, it's not because he doesn't want us to enjoy life or have nice things. He didn't want things to have us. 
You understand, church? He didn't want things to have us. God wants us to be in communion with him. We have to have clear and clean and healthy souls so that we can spend eternity with him. Jesus loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now come and follow me. Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him enough to say. He loved him enough to tell him, hey, you're settling for a counterfeit. Your soul, young man, has been seduced. And if you read on the story, Scripture says he went away sad because he didn't want to give up his wealth. He loved his idol, his money. He didn't care. He was seduced into settling for a counterfeit. He was seduced. Now, if you want to get into the theological meaning behind this passage, one could argue, well, well, Jesus never really meant to uh, meant for you to sell everything. I mean, Jesus would never ask us to do that. And while I agree that that passage doesn't actually have anything to do with money uh, in and of itself, I do believe with all my heart that Jesus wouldn't ask you to do that unless it was an idol to you. And then he's going to ask you to tear it down. Tear down anything in our hearts and in our lives that are more important to us than him. We have to get rid of those things. We have to push those things out. Anything that we've elevated to a position above him. And I don't know what that looks like for you to tear it down. I don't know. I talk with so many people that have done some amazing and radical things for the Lord. People that were obsessed with their online personality. They deleted their Instagram account and their Facebook uh, page because it was all consuming them. And they said, I'm tearing down this idol in my life. I knew a family when I was in student ministry, they realized that, that, that they weren't going to church because they were always at their son's travel league uh, games almost every weekend. And so they pulled their child from travel ball and they said, we're just going to focus on school sports. And they said, we're not going to let something be more important to us than God. I knew people that left their jobs, made a career change because they were idolizing the ladder to success. I've talked with people who have gotten rid of their computers or mobile devices because they were putting pornography over their relationship with God. I've spoken with someone who gave up his hobby, uh, something that he had been doing for 15 years, something that he had spent thousands of dollars on and countless hours on because he realized it had become an idol in his life. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that means for you. But if there's something that is more important to God, more important than God, in your soul, tear, tell, tear that thing down. I encourage you, I implore you to get rid of it. Tear it down. And here's the last thing, the next thing we have to do. We have to fill our souls with God. We have to fill our souls with God. So let me give you three verses that we close out this morning. I love all three of these. They're all from the Psalms, and they're so beautiful. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My soul, my heart, and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. I love just the, the imagery there. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. We want God to fill our souls. We want to identify, all right, identify the thing that's seducing us, identify the idol, remove that thing from our life, tear it down, and then fill it back in with God himself. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Church, if your lives are empty, go ahead and, and lower your expectations of what you hope to get out of this world. Because you were not created for this world. You were not created for this place. You were created for the kingdom of God and his glory where your soul will never be satisfied by the things that this world has to offer. That's how we were created. You have no idea how much I pray to God that this gets through. Maybe because I know it needs to get through to me because I don't want to be seduced. I don't want this world to seduce me. 
I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle for anything less than what God has for me. In fact, we're going to worship some more here in just a moment. I'm going to encourage you to let your soul detox in that moment. To be honest and to look with integrity inside. To look with integrity into your soul and figure out what thing you might be elevating to the supreme place before God. There's some words that go with this uh, classic hymn. Words that, that I pray happens in our hearts. And I'm not going to sing them. Uh, I was asking Jordan if he might sing them for me. But I'll, I'll just say them because I want, you to, I want you to hear these. And I want you to just think about these over these next moments. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And when you do that, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, Father, I pray that in your presence, the power of your Holy Spirit would pierce our hearts with, with your truth. And, God, that we would be transformed. Nobody's looking around right now. Our eyes are closed. Here's what I want to do. I want you to, I want to ask you a question. I'm not try to settle all these problems with a 30-second prayer, but what I want to do is ask you this. If you'll make a commitment. Earlier I said I was challenging you. Now I'm asking for a commitment. Here's my ask. To take what God wants to say to you and extend it beyond just this time. To make a commitment. To talk it over with family, friends, personal mentor, your missional community. Uh, let, just be real honest and invite others into our own self-examination of anything that we might be putting before God. And then when you do that, what I'm going to do is ask you to commit. To be real prayerful. What can you do to tear it down and how you, can you replace what you've been seeking with a true passion for the true God. I know that's a big ask, but I'm telling you, there are big consequences. Who would say, yes, I take this seriously. All of our eyes are closed, our hands are down. You don't have to look around or anything like that. But, but, but who would raise their hand and say, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to move beyond just this time together. I'm going to talk it over with those uh, who, who I love and prayerfully and talk it over with them and seriously take it before God to do what God leads me to do. I just want to pray over you. If you just lift your hand, if you want to make that commitment, I'm going to, I'm going to seek this out in my life. I'm going to find out what these idols are, and I'm going to ask God, how can I tear these things down? I see hands all over the place. It's a commitment. I just want you to make this commitment to God, not to me. I'm not recording who raises hands. I'm not, I'm not, I just want to pray over you right now in this moment. God, I thank you so much for those who, who truly desire to put you ahead of the things that seduce their souls. And God, for those who, who aren't there yet, I pray, God, that the, empty, the emptiness of, of the things of this world would overwhelm them so that they would truly know the beauty of you filling our souls with the good things. We love you so much, God.